Penny calls it a little bit like hurting. What's she talking about? Find out. A new episode of The Wheelhouse begins right now. We're back. Welcome to Season 5 of The Wheelhouse. I'm your host, Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter. In this season, I'm delighted to again host a roundtable discussion with two of my favorite leaders in education, Penny Brockway and Catherine Money, focused on one of the foundational components of our framework, accomplishment-driven leadership. In season three, we explored the five arenas of accomplishment-driven leadership, how to plot a growth trajectory, and then how to use those arenas to do what matters most, serve our students by growing our people. In season four, we continued exploring ADL in this roundtable, thinking about the paradigm shifts we need to make on our journey to become accomplishment-driven leaders. In this season, we'll continue to explore this new destination, how to talk about it, how to think about it, and how to bring your team with you as you depart on this journey. At Students Matter, we believe it's our priority as educators to prove to each student and each teacher that they are distinctive, and irreplaceable. Together, let's continue to step up to this incredibly important challenge and add additional tools and skills right into our wheelhouse. Hello and welcome to season five of The Wheelhouse. Penny Brockway and Kathy Money are back again to have great conversations with us throughout this season. Ladies, welcome back. Hello. So good to be back. It's great to be with the two of you. I absolutely, thoroughly, completely trying to think of all sorts of other superlatives. I've loved, loved our conversations in season four, and I'm looking forward to, uh, continuing that in season five. So it's great to see you both. Hopefully you had a great short little break before we return to the recording studio. It was great, um, but I absolutely missed these conversations. So I'm I'm thrilled to be here. For those of you who are listening, we record these in the wee hours of the morning when we have just had enough coffee to be dangerous. And so (laughs) when we, when we do this, you know, it absolutely starts the day on a level kind of unlike any other day when you, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's still dark outside and you are uh, engaging in conversations like this, it's, it's, it's quite a, uh, it's quite a structure to, to the rest of your day. It really it sure does. Yeah, it sets a tone um, for the mental thinking that is just, yeah, and the way you view everything else that happens in that day. So, uh, yeah, I miss it. This is very stimulating. So I'm grateful to be here. Mm-hmm. So for all of us in the wheelhouse, good morning. We know you're listening at whatever time of day, but for us, it's really early in the morning and we wish you, we wish you a great day every time you listen to us. You know, we spent a lot of time in season four talking about um, paradigm shifts that accomplishment driven leaders make when they're on this journey. And, and in season five, we're going to talk a lot about the journey itself, but before we do that, you know, why why do we think that an, an accomplishment-driven leader thinks differently? Um, first thing that comes to my mind, you know, it's it's because we need to think different. 
Um, there's a there's this you know connection and this moral imperative to to do what's best for each and every student, each and every child. Um, I think it's a level of um, going back to saying it again. I mean, I talked about this a lot this weekend, this moral imperative um, to do better. And because of that, seeking out what are those what are those other ways? What are those other approaches to go about leading a district? I really liked and wondering what you know Penny's perspective is just in general, but but I really also really love the word willing. So mm-hmm. you know, Penny, how do you either respond to willing or or that big question? Why why does an ADL think differently? Well, my response to willing is absolutely they have to be willing. No one can be an accomplishment-driven leader um, because it's mandated of them. They have to be willing, and it has to come from who they are as a human being and an individual. So that moral imperative, Kathy, I add on to that with a absolutely, and it comes with an exhaustion, I think, also for trying within the current systems to do what your heart knows you need to do to deliver for each child what each child deserves as um, I think of the little tiny ones, but even the big human beings that sit in our classrooms that I I need to deliver for each of them um, what they deserve um, to, to help them become everything they're meant to be. And that moral imperative only happens from people who are willing to see that and to recognize that sometimes we get in our own way in trying to make that happen. And so a willingness to recognize what it takes is huge. It can't be mandated from the top down. So when you talk about this, you know, this moral imperative and this, uh, you know, this willingness and this just desire to do differently for, for each student, you know, I, I think about I think about the status quo, right? I think about what what is the current state of of public education and what is what is our you know that our our current goal when we talk about accomplishment driven leadership we often talk about a new destination, right? Really thinking about wanting to head to a different place than perhaps where an organization or a leader is is heading uh, now. So what's wrong? with where we are now what's wrong with the status quo why is it that we need these accomplishment driven leaders to to be willing to think and lead and take us to a place that's so different than where we currently are what i think is really interesting is, is the fact that um where we are now isn't isn't new right i mean i um attended uh an event that our area ISDs held and it was around watching the documentary the truth about reading and it's really i mean it's decades decades of where we are now you know it's um that you i sat there listening um to gentlemen that are in their you know 60s and 70s that um were pushed through school unable to read and what is what does that mean? And really talking about these pieces that of education that I think are more 
evident now. They're more in the spotlight now because um, they can be. You know, we 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 have so many different platforms, different ways of being able to connect to what's happening in the world. I think the pandemic really, you know, put a spotlight on what education looks like. I think it sparked a lot of um, questions on parents' behalf as far as what's going on and. Um, how we're educating and specifically around reading. Um, You know, but the truth is, uh, this isn't, it's not new. And so it's a matter of when is enough enough? That's what I walked away from there, just angry. Um, Grant, you know, you and I had a conversation the next day, you got this, you know, (laughs) um, very energized uh, person to be able to say, when (laughs) when is enough enough? And I think accomplishment driven leaders are saying there are they're asking that when is enough enough? And, and when, um, when are we going to be okay with saying, what is happening in education currently isn't working doesn't mean that the it's the the adults are, are wrong i mean it's about how do we support each and every one of them to be able to to look at education different finally in 2023 when when is enough enough one of the pictures that keeps just running through my mind again and again and again. And last night, my husband asked me, what are you guys going to talk about tomorrow? What's the new, you know? And uh, so it started then is, you know, our status quo is herd mentality. Let's herd them all in this group. Let's take the quote unquote best practices of our world and surround the herd with them and shove them through the the lane, right? Shove them through the whatever version of herding you want to think about through the channel of where they're supposed to go. And we don't we, we don't know the individuals inside of that. We don't know that the best practice approach is really meeting who they are as a person and an individual. Um, and then we don't know how to go after those that are lost, those that that remove themselves from the herd or that nonchalantly wander off or intentionally leave themselves behind. Um, and I say that intentionally leave themselves behind because they find that it's the only choice they have. We, mm-hmm. we don't do that. And whether we're talking about their ability to read and those who get lost in that or their, their, um, feelings of and lack of belonging. We don't do that. So we treat them like a herd of unfeeling, unemotional. And I know this sounds so bad, but I, I believe this. We don't want that. We don't want to treat them like a herd of animals. And yet mm-hmm. our system delivers that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even if we just literally talk about the very traditional hallway of a school and um, those who are lost off the edges, right? And we don't even know those who stay in the in the realm of the group that's headed in what we consider to be the right direction. We don't know them as an individual and a person very frequently. That's a really but- profound visual picture you just painted, Penny. I mean, just um, wow, what a way to 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 paint that picture for for us, for our listeners and and really thinking about that. Yeah, I was, you know, I mean, these, these conversations are organic and so, you know, not at all scripted. And um, so I'm sitting here processing this brilliant, this brilliant um, image that you're using mm-hmm. of herding mentality, right? Because it's so 
I think it's so absolutely spot on mm-hmm. to to what to what it is that that we've all been, you know, inadvertently trained to do. You know, we we think about teaching to the middle or teaching to the high or teach it's all about mm-hmm. groups of students whether that's whole class or certain segments of of class but you know but we also treat our adults that way too when we think For about sure. right we think about oh well you know we're going to do professional learning and it's always like pushing the masses through mm-hmm. the same the same content whether they need it or not right it's so mm-hmm. I think, boy, I think that is just a great image uh, mm-hmm. of of thinking about um, how we how we how we characterize um, the status quo and and we know. I think the other thing that I, for me that I would add to this conversation is that in in thinking about doing it differently, people always want to jump to then if 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 we need to do it differently then then what I'm doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, it's not about right mm-hmm. or wrong. It's about choosing a different destination, right? It's about saying, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is, this has been the goal, whatever the goal is, this has been the goal, but I think it's important to redefine that goal. And we'll, we'll probably get into more about the destination and thinking about that later. But, but I think the the idea that this isn't about we're not saying that educators for the last 50 years have done bad work or have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. We're thinking yeah. about, this is about, Hey, it's 2023. It's a completely different world than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. And we really need to think about where we go and where we go educationally uh, with, with our young people who are young people today, not young people of the eighties or the seventies or even the 2010s. Yeah. So going back to your original question around, so why does an ADL think differently? I think the piece that you just described is that it's not about us, right? It's not about me. Um, so it's very much about, um, the, we and us, and so it it can be very difficult, especially um, when you've worked so hard. I mean, we educators work incredibly hard. And so what does that look like in thinking that, okay, now, now you're saying I'm doing something wrong. And ADL um, doesn't think that. It's about, so what what we are doing isn't working. So how do, how do we work collectively to change that? And not that person, not taking it as a personal attack. Yes. The collectively, how do we do this, right? Mm -hmm. I think the onus of individual instruction and knowing individual students has always fallen on the shoulders of teachers and the system Mm -hmm. has always left it there. So I think that collective piece is huge. And the other piece is that, and I am in full agreement, so I add on, each of us shows up each day with the best Mm -hmm. we have. We don't always have our best day, but we show up with everything we know how to do. And when an accomplishment-driven leader, whether you're a teacher thinking about your students or a principal thinking about your um, teachers or a district leader thinking about your principals, every single one has to think about the fact that this person is showing up with everything they have today. Mm -hmm. And they're bringing me their best. 
maybe on their very worst day, but they're bringing me their best. So how do I support them? And I think that's the accomplishment-driven leader way of thinking. They don't have to be where everybody else is. They just have to be moving toward their next step. Mm -hmm. And um, that is a far cry from herd mentality in my mind. It sure is. I just had, you know, as we're as we're wrapping up a school year and getting ready, you know, for the next, because we, you know, we never just say, <laughs> just stop, right? It's always about, so what's, what's next? What do we, how do we continuously improve? And, you know, those are the conversations that I'm having with each one of my team members is what's, what's your next best step? Because your next best step isn't this, you know, isn't going to be the same as every other person's on this team. Um, but they're, I keep saying this, you know, shame on us if we don't take our next best step, you know, and what that looks like and what supports do you need. And, and again, that coming at it in a very different way with understanding that it's about us collectively, you know, and my job as an accomplishment driven leader is to ensure that I'm supporting each and every one of these adults so that they in turn can, you know, support each and every one of their students and based on what each next best step is. As you say that, Kathy, I see you putting your arm around that person and you belong with us. Come along with us. Part mm -hmm. of your support is the collective us, right? But mm -hmm. as a collective us, we each are on our own next steps and we support each other. Yep. You're welcomed no matter what that step is. And so I think that piece about mm -hmm. belonging came through in, in how you were describing collectiveness. And that's a great picture to hold in our minds. Mm -hmm. What I'm hearing, of course, is that when we think about how an accomplishment-driven leader thinks, they are willing to look critically at themselves, but at the organization and thinking about you know, uh, you know, when we look critically, you know, where we and and being willing to look critically, there's a there's an honesty, <laughs> and there's a vulnerability to to being willing to look right because you're kind of taking the organization and thrusting it in front of a mirror, <laughs> right? You're willing to do that, and you're willing to say, hey, these are these, there are there are many areas in which this organization is working well, right? And there are there are some areas where this organization isn't. And part of this shift in thinking is a willingness to do that, right? A willingness mm -hmm. to think about what's working well, what isn't working well. It is a willingness to look at what's wrong with the status quo. And I, I think I think it's important to say, although the wheelhouse is not podcast about politics so we're not going we're not going to mention politics but we, i think it's important to recognize that public education in 2023 is really hard mm -hmm. it's really hard because of a lot of the dynamics that all areas of politics bring to the table right not not pointing a finger at any particular person or any particular side but in 2023, where we don't agree to disagree very well, uh, and where we tend to point some ugly fingers at folks, it becomes, I mean, that there is a, there's a consequence <laughs> to what that does, right? It is difficult. It is really hard to be an educator today. It's hard to be mm -hmm. a leader. 
It's hard to be a superintendent. It's really hard to be a building principal. It's really hard to be a teacher for a lot of reasons. And I and and we're not going to get into those reasons because that's not what this podcast is about, but we recognize that they're there. And Absolutely. I think it's I think it's important for us to say that, right? That we get how hard this is in 2023. And that that demands the courage. And so it's very it's very much about each of us choosing that. Yet it never becomes about us, right? It's the courage to to do for others as they need. So yeah, and and it it does it demands that courage. And, and th- it it demands the need for the collective, right? Going back mm-hmm. to the fact that no one person, no matter how amazing, no matter how accomplished and driven leader you are, it's a collective um, because it's it, the demands are 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 high. They are great, and these are these are people's children that we're entrusted with, and it's it's going to take all of us. Um, each and every one of us to to accomplish the 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 tremendous task that that's at hand. You know, I love again, these are unscripted conversations. And I love when we take these two ideas together, right? This idea that the status quo, Penny has so brilliantly defined that as, you know, like thinking about all of this from a herd mentality, you know, mm-hmm. um, image. And then thinking about what you just said, which is Kathy, was that these are these are people's children that they entrust to us. And so to me, that's the reason we move away from the herd mentality. That's what's wrong with the status quo, is because the herd mentality doesn't allow us to respond to the fact that we are entrusted to care for somebody else's child. Back to how we started the conversation around the moral imperative, right? I mean, when you, when you say what you just did, Grant, it just, you sit and just take that in. Um, there's, there's no greater calling. I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased because, you know, I'm an educator through and through. There's no greater calling um, than to be able to, to, to be in a space in which we have the opportunity, the ability to be entrusted with somebody else's child to really have an impact um, on on the future. I mean, I'm, see, I'm seeing Penny just, she's just percolating on this, right? She's just, she's got There's this. like nothing more to say. Amen. <laughs> this is, yeah, I think absolutely. Um, I think this is, this is, a, this is a really, a key moment in terms of thinking about why a new destination is so important. Mm-hmm. And then as we think about future episodes, right? When we think about episode 502, when we come back, you know, next week, this is about, okay, so if I take, if I take this idea of I gotta move away from the herd mentality, and I gotta think about what it really means. What does it really mean to be entrusted with the the care? of somebody else's child, what does that destination look like? Right. What, you know, because we're going to head toward, we're going to head towards something different, uh, completely different. If, if we, if we go there, there is a level of, um, 
there's a level of urgency. Um, and there's a level of, and I'm searching for the word to think about when you think about caring for somebody else's child, right? It's like, wow. And I, and I can't think of that word. So you guys throw it out there, right? Um, but I'm reminded, I mean, as, as you were talking about that, Kathy, here's a, here's a, you know, a, 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 an example of helping me find that word, right? Um, my neighbors are, are in Europe and they have a dog and a cat and the dog is old and they were looking for somebody who was going to stay in their house for two weeks while they were gone to, because they were going to entrust their, their mm -hmm. aged, their aged animal to, to somebody. And what I've noticed being the nosy neighbor, as I walk my dogs is that they're not staying there, right? They're not staying mm -hmm. in this house They're you know, so, and I'm, so I'm thinking about this old dog being left alone all night, mm -hmm. right? Until someone comes to let to let her out the next morning, and I'm thinking, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's what they meant when they were entrusting this, you know, elderly dog with whoever's kid. I'm not. She's not being abused or anything like that. But I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I couldn't do that, right? I couldn't do it. My dogs would have to be living with somebody, right? If I'm going to be gone for mm -hmm. two weeks, and that's a such a, tr a trivial example, right? I mean, I'm not 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 comparing, you know, this this pet to to our children but there's a level of urgency that I feel as a pet owner and now there's a level of urgency that I feel when my children go to school and I entrust them with adults who are going to take care of them for the 6 to 7 hours that they're there and I'm searching for that word right uh and still not finding it but mm -hmm. you know there's a that's a that's a pretty profound responsibility that uh, mm -hmm. they they entrust us with and that we agree to take. Mm -hmm. We agree to take that responsibility when we admit them into our schools. And you just described to me this this difference between, well, I'm I'm adhering to this pet's needs, right? I'm making sure that it gets out, it's getting getting fed, you know, so so bare necessities are happening, right? Um, so I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in comparison to that really understanding and believing um, back to that moral imperative that it's about a life and how do you treat a life beyond just the basic needs? Um, you approach it very different. Um, you're still you're still doing what you have to do, but not connecting to that human or to that life. Um, to be able to ensure that you're taking that responsibility of being entrusted with with somebody else's loved one, because although you're not comparing, you know, an animal to a, a human, to some people that they are, <laughs> they they are, they're part of their family. It's every, I mean, to me, they they are. Mm -hmm. um, so it's everything, and I think that visual that you just painted really just showed like there there's a difference between just showing up to do what you have to do versus truly understanding the significance and the honor it really is to be entrusted with with a life. And it is a level of love for other people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I appreciate that that has all kinds of layers to it. And the love for a spouse and your own children is very different than the love for the children of someone you might not even know, right? But it is still that. It's a love of and for humanity that is that that we're given the gift of um embracing every day and i don't know you know that's a that's a big word 
it's a big four letter word. Um, mm-hmm. But wow, the difference when you see an educator who is loving on the individuals before them. And sometimes mm-hmm. love is tough and those questions mm-hmm. within it and the things we hold people accountable for or up to, right, to help them grow is is difficult and yet done with love and the care and the urgency, people thrive. And so when we come back next week, we're going to think about how does an accomplishment-driven leader begin to think about, take take these kinds of ideas and these thoughts, moving us away from what Penny so brilliantly described as the herd mentality, right? And and thinking about how do we how do we identify a destination for our organization and for ourselves that truly understands and responds to this honor we have the uh, because we have been entrusted with caring for somebody else's child. So we'll see you in episode two next week. And that wraps up another episode of The Wheelhouse. New episodes of season five drop every Tuesday beginning June 20th and running through August 22nd. The Wheelhouse is a production of Students Matter LLC. Our show's theme music, Off We Go, was written and performed by Cody Martin and obtained through soundstripe.com. If you'd like to explore this topic further and take our online series of four courses, Exploring Accomplishment-Driven Leadership, or if you have something you'd like to share or a leadership problem you'd like to see us address, drop us a line at registrar at ourstudentsmatter.org. You can find me on Mastodon and, of course, stop by our website and check out what we offer at www.ourstudentsmatter.org. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, and it can be also found on many other places where you can get your podcasts or on our website at Captivate, and that's HTTPS forward slash forward slash the-wheelhouse.captivate.fm forward slash episodes. If you like our show, please leave us a review. I'd love to hear what you like. Together, our goal is to continually enhance and utilize our arenas of accomplishment-driven leadership, proving to each student and each teacher that they are both distinctive and irreplaceable as hard work. But being an educator is the noblest of all professions. Until next time, remember, we got this. Mm